maybe even lick your fingers and do it. See, that requires patience, Alex. Hello, welcome to Egghead Anarchy. Today, we have a very special episode for you. We're going to talk about this little game, No Man's Sky. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, it came out recently, um, has not been getting much press. People don't really seem to have many thoughts about it. Um, <laughs> but, but we have a few things to say, so we're going to talk about it. And uh, we're actually going to use, we're going to reference, well, I'm going to reference, uh, some articles by other people because people have been talking about this game nonstop. Like, this is a big, big deal. Um, and so we're going to talk about a bit about why. Um, I've been playing the game like a fucking crazy person. Um, I've played about 30 hours so far this week since it came out on Tuesday. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. Um, I didn't play today because I actually d took a day off on purpose. But anyway, um, so yeah, so we're going to talk about it. Um, and I don't know what else to say. Yeah, so say, we're Alex? also going to talk about, yeah, yeah we're going to also talk about Frontier Elite 2 ah, because... Yes. Frontier Elite 2 is real amazing. Um, came out in 1993. And I'd say, okay, so I don't know that much about No Man's Sky. I haven't played it yet, so I'm not sure about the gameplay. And I'm going to be really interested to find out whether or not, like, technically as a universe simulation or a galaxy simulation, if No Man's Sky finally beats uh, Frontier Elite 2. Because almost nothing has since 1993. I can't think of any games that have been more detailed than Frontier Interesting. Elite 2. Okay. I I have absolutely no idea if it will or not, but uh, that will be a good thing to find out. So, without further ado, let's get started with the episode. So we're talking about Frontier Elite 2 here. <laughs> we're talking about No Man's Sky, man. What are you talking oh, about? Sorry. Trying to steal sorry. No Man's Sky's thunder. God. We're doing both. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah so go ahead. Start us off because you're the one who's actually been playing it. Yes. So No Man's Sky is a really, really interesting game. And, and there's an interesting story behind it as well. And uh, I, think, I think a lot of the story and I think much of the game and the developer's purpose has actually been lost. Uh, since it was originally announced. Um, and I think like even beyond gameplay, I think there's a lot to talk about and a lot to learn about games and the game industry and how people perceive things um, because of No Man's Sky. So brief history um, for anybody who doesn't know, or if you do, you're just going to hear it again. So No Man's Sky is basically, um, it's a, it's Minecraft in space without building anything. Um, and that's a problem for a lot of people because I think what they were expecting was something more along the lines of Star Citizen, where there's this enormous world of exactly 18 quintillion, 446 quadrillion, 744 trillion, uh, yeah, 73 billion, 709 million, 551,616 planets. Um, so what people were wanting was that many planets with the level of detail um, and play options and things like that of something like Star Citizen, I think is what people were expecting. Uh, how, how and why they were expecting that, I'm not exactly sure. Um, what they got is basically a, a simpler version of Minecraft 
that has some real technical problems um, <laughs> that is gorgeous uh, and is a great chill, zen, laid back way to spend some time. And sorry, um, that, that number was number of planets or number the of number, number of planets. Yes. Number of planets. Yes. So just for comparison, Frontier Elite 2, which came out in 1993, had about 514 million unique star systems. Not planets, but star systems. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is there like a, a number of like a rough number of planets, like an average number of planets per star system? I cannot like four, find five, six, something like that. That information. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's Interesting. it. That's the number. And it was tiny. This is a game that came out on the Amiga. That is ridiculous. Yep. And it was published on a single floppy disk. 880 how the, kilobyte disk. How the hell? <laughs> what in the world? For for PC and DOS, it was actually 720 kilobyte disk. Oh my God. I mean, yep. the seed keys alone for the same number of planets today would be way larger than that. You got to thank Chris Sawyer for, uh, for making it smaller on PC. He ported it from... Uh, 6,800, what did I say, 68,000 assembler to PC. We talked a little bit about Chris Sawyer before this. He made the Roller Coaster Tycoon games, and he's a mad genius with assembly code and programming games and assembly for no good damn goddamn reason. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, that kind of um, that kind of segues to uh, one of the things I want to talk about with No Man's Sky. So something that I think people have, well, that I know, people have either not known or forgotten about the development of No Man's Sky is that Hello Games built everything all the tools for the game, uh, from the rendering engine uh, to the IDE to everything themselves. They built everything from the ground up from scratch. And back when this game was first announced and the fact that they were doing this was first announced, people were really confused by this. And they were saying, they asked Sean Murray, why? Like, why invest so much time to build all these tools when things like Unity and Unreal Engine and all this kind of stuff exist? And then keep in mind, this was uh, five years ago, so this was not Unity 5 and the newest version of Unreal uh, they were working with. This was, you know, several versions ago. But what Sean Murray said is he said, it's there's a real problem that we have now in games where people are using these tools like Unity and Unreal, but they don't fully understand how they work. And so when there's a problem, when something inevitably goes wrong, because it always will, people don't truly know how to fix it. And so they just like band-aid over issues and try to cover them up instead of actually addressing them. That is a that's really important to know about the <coughs> development of No Man's Sky and the history of it because what what Hello Games released was their initial vision um, and this is according to Sean Murray we'll I'll post a link to the show notes um, or a link in the show notes to the blog post where he talks about this but what they released uh, was Sean Murray's original vision for the game um, and since, and something else too, so um, the initial version or the leaked version of No Man's Sky that came out like, I want to say a few weeks ago um, that some YouTubers were playing online. There was a, there's a, a pretty well-known story about uh, this guy who paid $1,300 to get a pre-release version of the game <laughs> illegally. Yeah. He did not get it from Hello Games. Um, and oh, he played, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was not from Hello Games. Um, who is it from? Who I have leaked no idea. it to him for thirteen thousand dollars. Oh, thirteen hundred, not thirteen thousand. Thirteen hundred. I have no idea. I don't know what, and, and I haven't seen anybody say where he got it from. I think it's probably on purpose uh, because the, he didn't get it legally. But anyway, um, my guess is that it was leaked from by someone at Hello Games. That's my guess, but they didn't want to be identified. Anyway, so he he gets this pre-release version of the game, 
um, or the gold version of the game, which was is what was actually stamped. And he was really upset because he, you know, uh, went through the game as quickly as he could without doing a speed run. Mm-hmm. Um, and he finished the game in 30 hours and he was upset about that. Yeah. How dare this game only be 30 hours? Long? I know. I know. Um, which I, that, I just think that's ridiculous. Now, he did have some valid um, complaints as far as the way the game actually worked. Things like inventory management, the inventory management slots were way too limited. Um, there were some other gameplay issues that he had. That stuff I thought was valid. But the, the, the time I thought really was not. But I think this goes a lot to say that people don't fully under, like people don't think things through with yeah. games, period. Because I mean, th- again, this has a, a pedigree. People, I think, who are looking at this game are also looking at older games like Frontier Elite 2, which was an old space flyy combat trading, doing shit in space game. And that game has essentially an infinite runtime. There is no end to that game. You just play it forever. Well, <laughs> like, and the same thing is true for No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky yeah. just has a story. If you, if you decide to play the story, the goal of the story is to get to the center of the universe of the galaxy, and yeah. doing that took roughly thirty hours. And but I think you can. That's slightly a mistake on the development part side. To how so? To advertise like that to be like this is the main story. When you complete this, this is the game that you're playing. Uh, well, and it's like, important. That's not what Hello Games said. Yeah. Like, and, and again, th- th- this is that's an excellent thing that you bring up because that's I think that's interesting. I'll, because I mean, for all the the little bit of stuff that I've seen about the game mm-hmm. before its release, that mm-hmm. was what I heard. The whole thing is about getting to the center of the galaxy, and there's yes. something at the center of the galaxy. Yeah, and I think that's really, I think that's really important because, like, looking at what Sean Murray and Hello Games and even Sony have said about this game from the beginning when they first announced it and looking at the difference between that and what people have been expecting, mm-hmm. it could not be further apart. Like really um, people have said Sony hyped this up like crazy. Uh, I mean, I'm not one to follow hype that much anyway. So maybe there has been hype that I'm unaware of, um, but I haven't seen that. Like even without paying attention to hype, every time a call of duty game comes out, I hear about it and see it and I get bored of it before it even comes out. That didn't happen with No Man's Sky. Um, it was, you know, demoed at E3 a couple times. Uh, they released a couple videos. Uh, Sean Murray was on uh, the Colbert Report, or not the Colbert Report. Um, uh, was it the Tonight Show? No. Hmm. Uh, whatever uh, Stephen, the no show idea. Stephen Colbert is on, on now that replaced Letterman. Um, like he was on there playing things. Um, but there were, like they never, they didn't promise anything that the game didn't deliver. And they very strategically didn't really mention what you did in the game until maybe six months before it was released. Um, and then Sean Murray was very upfront that the, it was a survival game. You mine things, you have recipes to craft things. Um, there is some uh, combat, like there's ground combat and there's space combat. Uh, there's mm-hmm. also trading. You can make money via trading. You can play the game any way that you want, but there was no focus. Like no single thing was the focus. The focus of the game was exploring. You know, flying to these different planets, flying to different galaxies and the different star systems. And the fact that the universe was so big, that was really the main point of the game is that this is just a massive, massive galaxy that is far bigger and far more unique than anything that's come before it. And so is this online? Is it always online? It is not. And that's another thing too. some back and forth on this, whether or not it was online and whether or not you could encounter other players while you're playing it. Yeah, so there's there's uh, there's 
One of the things that I think is a real problem for the game community right now is that this game is just so unlike anything else mm-hmm. that people are they're scrambling to make a comparison to something else and they just can't. Like the, even even my Minecraft comparison is not is not very accurate. Like there's a lot that that leaves out. A lot about the game that that leaves out. There's simply nothing that compares to this game, really. So okay, um, so I I, I kind of doubt that because I that's why I picked Frontier Elite too because it seems very immediately comparable to this game. Uh, so okay, so uh, quick high level about like what you do in No Man's Sky, and then you can tell me if that's similar to Frontier Elite too. Yeah, go ahead. So again, it, the 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 core game loop of No Man's Sky is uh, get a recipe for something that you need, mm-hmm. go and mine resources to build that recipe. And then and get the resources you need to make a jump from one star, star system to the next until you get to the center of the universe. Mm, that's right. the core gameplay loop. There's other things you can do, um, and you can go anywhere that you want. But the core gameplay loop is find recipe, get resources for that recipe, build recipe, fly somewhere else. Yeah, so that that sounds like Starbound. <laughs> that just sounds a lot like Starbound, um, which is that that's what Starbound is, uh, but not Frontier Elite Two. Frontier Elite 2 has no mining or crafting. Frontier right, Elite 2 is, is uh, like procedurally generated missions to go kill people or like take, you know, people on trips. You can pick people up and deliver them wherever they're going. You mm-hmm. deliver cargo. You can do trading, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, kind of traditional, more traditional right. kind of thing. Right. But in terms of like, um, like how far you can go out in the universe is determined by, you know, how good your ship is, how much right. money you make. So it's 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 a similar loop, but it's like make money, buy new thing, move on. Gotcha. Which you can also do in No Man's Sky, too. You can buy new planes, yeah. um, new starships. You can buy new multi-tools. Yeah. Um, and, but it's kind of oriented oppositely. So in Frontier right. Elite 2, you start in the core of the Milky Way. Then you go out. And you go out. And so the gotcha. core is the safest the most civilized and then as you move out it gets more dangerous things are more spread out like it gets harder to to progress gotcha yeah well and see something that's interesting about no man's sky is i've been playing for 30 hours and i have landed on seven planets yeah <laughs> that's real low it yes. seems like okay so here's a question does it have you can fly from space and land on a planet yes now no see loading. that's yeah i that's, mean there's loading but they very cleverly disguise it Mm. That's that's exactly how Frontier Elite Two works. Well, you, does Frontier Elite Two have 3D graphics, or is it like yeah, 2D? it has 3D graphics in, in 1995, 1993, 3D, 3D graphics. You fly from space, land on a planet, all in one universe. No, okay, I'm no gonna, loading I'm gonna, or I'm gonna have to take a minute here to look up look up screenshots <laughs> of this game. Oh, it looks pretty garbage. I gotta be honest, but yeah, um, Frontier Elite. It's, it's it's like vector graphics. Actually, I mean, I mean those, those, those could be good. Oh, yeah. I, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, I mean that's not mean? that's not bad. That's especially for 1993. Yeah. That's not bad. Some of the stuff though, like those big. This is this has always been a complaint for me about this game is that the planet surfaces. Mm-hmm. So actually, the PC version did have texture mapping. It was one of the big uh, advantages of the PC version over the over the Amiga version. Mm-hmm. But planet surfaces don't have a texture on them. They're just a solid color. And it uh, makes it yeah. really hard to tell how far away you are from the ground when yeah. you're trying to land on them. Yep. 
which means that it's very easy to just crash into the ground and kill yourself. Yeah, I, I remember that. I mean, that was a problem for all games of that time. Like, yeah. you just, like flight sims, like Microsoft flight sims is terrible for that. Like you just had like you had to get really good at proximity vision. Right. So yeah. like instead of seeing the ground, you had to see how buildings on the ground were moving relative to you to have any kind of an idea yeah. how high you were or like, like the, you know, the horizon in, um, is what's that where the horizon is and stuff like that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I mean, like in, you know, in flight sim, flight sim games, like you had an altitude and that was fine. Um, but a lot of times it would change so fast that it was almost you, useless. But it's also pretty much essential in Frontier Elite 2 that you buy an autopilot. And this is another thing that I'm going to say for simulation, because it's real, real difficult to fly a ship in Frontier Elite 2. Oh, it's so, pretty dead simple to fly a game in No Man's Sky. Ah, see, this this has more simulation in it, I'm thinking then, because yeah. one of the things that you have to do is when you accelerate towards something, you have real world momentum. So you accelerate and halfway through your trip, you have to start decelerating. Oh, yeah. So that no. way you can stop by the time you get there. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Planets. So planets no have Man's orbits Sky around their star system. Sorry. So if you just aim yourself at a planet and head for it, you just won't be there. Like It'll be gone uh, when you get there. You'll just miss. Like It's real hard to get anywhere if you don't have the autopilot because the, uh, the, the whatchamacallit, the physics are really designed to be real close to like real universe physics. Physics. Yeah, No Man's Sky, not so much. <laughs> Yeah, like just, so, just lets you do whatever. Well, uh, sort of, yeah. So, like, so in in no man's in no man's sky, for example, you have like you have three different speeds essentially that you can fly at. You've got like your normal speed, which is so they measure like the one unit of measure in the game, and this is for money, and this is for distance is units. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but it is. So you can travel like when you're flying, you can travel anywhere between like nine and 150 u, which is just normal flight speed. That's like you yeah. press the the um. R2 and you speed up, you let go of it and you slow down a little bit, you know, whatever. And then you press R2 and X and you engage. I forget what it's called. It's not jump drive, but you like you go faster. Right. And that's like yeah. speed level two. And that's if you want to get from, let's say, um, a star base to a planet fairly quickly within a couple minutes. Uh, and then the third level, which is your pulse drive, is you press uh, uh, R2, X and then both r1 and r2 at the same time and you engage your pulse drive and that's basically light speed the thing is that's automatic like like once you press that button combination and it, and it counts down because it counts down from four and once the pulse drive engages it disengages automatically so like when you get to a planet and you enter the atmosphere the pulse drive disengages because of the atmospheric interference mm -hmm. and when you get to a space station it just disengages at the correct distance and there's like a blue shaft of light coming out of the um the enter the the door or whatever for the space station and as long as you get your plane in there it auto corrects and everything so you land correctly um so there's a lot of fly-by-wire stuff and like when you're on when you're flying around a planet it handles the altitude for you automatically so you can control like you know uh yaw like left and right and you can go up and down if you want but it won't let you get it'll only let you get so close to the ground which i like because i think it you know it makes it simple enough that it's not frustrating yeah you don't have to be like shit i crashed again i'm awful at this yeah, yeah. but i think there's a there's a technical reason that they do that and this is one of the problems that no man's sky has so no man's sky is the only game that i can think of in recent memory maybe in the last 15 years that has pop in and it's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Geez. Like, yeah. is it like, did you ever play, uh, um, what was it like Saints Row? Not Saints Row. Uh, 
No microphone. You're slipping out of the way. Gosh dang. <laughs> um, uh, Grand Theft Auto 2, when you had a jet and you'd get, if you flew it too close to the ground, you would explode and then a tree would appear that you would hit. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. No, no, I, 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 I never had that happen. I don't, I don't think I played Grand Theft Auto 2 maybe. I don't remember. Oh, really? That. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was an issue. You just or, or maybe it was 3. It was 2 or 3. It was one of the PS2 ones. You'd be just flying and then uh oh, not 2. It, it, 3D one. So it had to be say, it, Yeah, yeah, I would yeah, think yeah, it was, I, I thought 2 was still top down. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It was later. Okay. It was one okay. of the PS2 ones. You'd get a jet and you'd just be flying and you'd just die and then the tree that killed you would appear <laughs> after you're dead. It was great. It was ridiculous. It was real frustrating. Yeah. But yeah. So so that that I mean, I, I've never well, and I think that's part of the reason, like I said, that, that No Man's Sky does what it does with height, because so like No Man's Sky has multiple level I'm gonna get a little bit technical here. So one of the reasons that No Man's Sky has no loading or that it looks like it has no loading, like especially when you're when you come up to a planet. Mm-hmm. So it procedurally generates the planets as you explore them. Mm. Um but it has multiple levels of detail, right? So when you're entering the planet's atmosphere, you get one level of detail and you you see this like as you fly down. It happens in front of you. When you're super high in the atmosphere, you see one level of detail. As you get closer, you see another. As you, as you get even closer, you see another. And then yeah. when you're close enough that you actually have some like fairly high res models, what you like the pop in, quote unquote, is that you'll see even higher res models oh, okay. replace see, yeah. the lower res models. Um, and they have this like pseudo special effect. Like it's it's this like pixelated transition instead of just popping in. But mm-hmm. um, it can be pretty distracting at times. And I think the reason that that happens is because they have a non-deterministic uh, algorithm for rendering the the segments of the planet, um, and I think they do that to uh, avoid either um, patterns in the the landscape generation and seams between the segments that get rendered. Um, I won't go into exactly why, but that that's my guess as to how they're doing it. And so, because they're doing it non deterministically. The, the segments closest to you won't always necessarily be rendered first. Mm. Um, and so when that happens, the, when they get rendered last or close to last, they're rendered right in front of you. And so that's when you get the pop in. It's um, also like Minecraft. Yeah, Minecraft yeah, exactly. all pop in all the time. Yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, well, Minecraft th- doesn't even try to disguise it from you. It's just like, yeah, you can only see so far because we can't render anything past that. Just, yep. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and that that actually goes to another issue that I think a lot of people have with, and this actually kind of frustrates me with the way that people are perceiving No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky is an indie game released and published as a AAA game. It was made by a team of people that never got bigger than 12. Yeah. And so like people have a lot of problems with all these technical things. You know what I mean? Like they say, I mean, the planets have a lot of variety, but they're really all the same thing. Like once mm-hmm. you see a few planets, you've seen them all. And, and that, that also goes into one of the other things people have complaining about, which is they're like, because I've heard that a lot. This is an indie game. But then followed by the phrase, why is it $60? Indie games shouldn't cost $60. Because of all the content. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm really. not saying they're right, but I but I am saying I people have definitely been harping oh, yeah. on the fact that yeah. it's an indie game, but only in relation to they that feel like $60. it costs too much. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that's probably games should be priced more according to just how much they're worth to the consumer rather than mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, like anyway, indie games should not be capped at twenty dollars, uh, and AAA games should not have a lower cap of sixty dollars. Like yeah. if the game is worth twenty. 
charge 20. If it's worth 60, charge 60. And yeah. I can totally see why Hello Games and Sony think this game is worth 60 bucks. Um, and one assumption that I have, uh, which I should say not at the outset because we're, you know, 20 minutes in, but one assumption that I have about this game is that it will receive updates the same way that Minecraft has. Um, and I think that because I have a lot of respect for Hello Games and specifically for Sean Murray in the way that he's handled everything related to this game because he has been beset by bullshit from day one working on this game and he stayed very professional he stayed very mm. upbeat i haven't seen him like you flip out or melt down or anything like that um and he said publicly on the record that the game will be updated like like what shipped in fact the the version that this guy played that he paid 1300 for and beat in 30 hours and complained about online um the, the the feedback that he provided and also that that hello games testers provided um was used so that in the course of a month they made radical changes to the game and pushed out a day one patch which changed basically everything or addressed most of the issues that um that people yeah. who played the game early had that speaks volumes yeah. for support I, um, I read a very good article on gama sutra about how going gold is basically bullshit at this point yeah because, yeah. you know, they have to register that game, go gold with it, get it approved that it'll run properly, basically, right. is all that is doing. Yep. But then, like, that used to be the point was that you had to do that and then it'd be put on a disc. It's that version mm -hmm. on the disc would work. Mm -hmm. But the way it works now is that uh, the disc doesn't fucking matter at all, basically. Yep. It's all over the Internet. It's all yep. you downloading stuff. So, like, it, it'll get updates as it goes along. And yeah. it needs to go gold way before they release it. Yeah. So they have a lot yeah. of time after that and they plan to do updates after that. Yeah. So yeah. it's not. And they want a version gold early because they have to be able to sell it later. Yep. And then those updates don't like. Uh, yeah. Just anyway. Yeah. The whole thing is a mess kind of. So. Yeah. It's I, not think, surprising. I think. I mean, I think it's really, really important because I think No Man's Sky, just like Minecraft was, I think um, No Man's Sky is very, it's it's a signpost for where the industry is going. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a this is an indie game, but it was published and released and is being handled as a AAA game, and in many, many ways, this can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with AAA space games. Like, it, yeah. not in every way, definitely, but in a lot of ways, it can. And instead of being developed by 80 people or 200 people like Destiny, where at the peak of their development, they had like, I think over 200 people working yeah, on the game. Yeah, I was going to say like 200, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they spent $500 million making that game, and it looked great. I mean, the graphics were super detailed. All the environments were, you know, beautiful and gorgeous and wonderful, and the gameplay was super refined, but there just wasn't enough to do, right? Mm -hmm. So a team, a, a tiny, tiny fraction of that size in half the time produced No Man's Sky. Yeah. So that's that's a big deal all by itself. Um, I mean, we'll see where No Man's Sky is in six months in a year. And I'm willing to bet in a year it's going to be an almost unrecognizable game in a lot of ways to where it is now. I'm willing yeah. to bet that a lot of, if not all, the problems that people have are going to be dealt with and taken I, care I, of just yeah. like Minecraft was. I think a lot of people are just got caught up in hype for this game mm. and actually don't want this game. Yeah. <laughs> they I, thought I, yeah. they did. But they don't want a boring game where you fly around and just hang around in space a lot. Yeah, they, they don't want Minecraft in space. What they yeah. wanted is they wanted what Star, what Star Citizen is trying to be. They want what Elite Dangerous is trying to be. That's what they want. But they want something more approachable I than Elite, Elite Dangerous. Da Elite Dangerous really feels like a float around in space and do nothing game, too. Well, I but know. I mean, there's no it's, real. 
Elite Dangerous, I was like, oh, cool. A new and elite game. I really loved Frontier Elite 2. That game was cool. And then I was like, oh, it's multiplayer. And I don't actually care. Then, <laughs> Like, I don't know. Well, right. So so uh, what I meant in the comparison was that um, uh, Elite Dangerous is much more detailed, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of detail. There's a lot of nuance. You can do a lot of stuff. Um, and it's a gorgeous game. It's a very detailed game, you know, like visually detailed game. And I think people were expecting that just with yeah. the look and style that No Man's Sky has. And See, I think what's interesting now that I've gone back and looked at those screenshots from Frontier Elite 2. Mm-hmm. And I like I think those look a lot like uh, No Man's Sky, like not in graphical fidelity, but in like color choices. Mm. and like shading choices i think they have a similar look those old ones use that real bright color palette and like washed out kind of look that no man's sky has well i mean yeah i definitely wouldn't say no man's sky is a washed out color palette but i kind of i get what you're saying and what i like about no man's sky is everything in in no man's sky looks like the photo was slightly overexposed like every single like shot of it yeah that's not what it actually looks like in the game though um like certain things do but overall, it's a much more, I think, balanced thing. It's just super colorful. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the sky is purple. The grass is yellow. Um, and everything is just super wild and far out there. And just it looks like the cover of a 1970s, you know, sci-fi novel. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I, you know what? I don't see any like real muscly men hanging around in two tight shirts. Oh, <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Yes. There, there, there are none of those. There's oh. no Conan the Barbarian looking motherfucker holding like a ray gun <laughs> with <laughs> like true. some woman behind him. Like, oh, no, uh, hand no, on uh, the Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. So and that actually kind of brings us to another point, another big problem that people have with this game. So I, I think I think you're right. What, what it really boils down to is people thought they wanted this game because they thought this game was something else. Um, I wa- I love this game because it's exactly what I want from a game right now. Um, mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is it's very chill. And uh, another way to say that is it's very shallow. Right. There's not a whole lot of depth to the game. Um, You really don't do much. Like, really, you run around, you point your multi tool at things, you press a button and then when they explode, you get resources. Um, You hunt down uh, uh, points on the planet. You go to these points, you um, press a button to interact with an alien and then you press a button to pick a choice while you read whatever the alien is saying. And then you press a button to pick a choice. And then if you pick the right choice, you get like a recipe or you get, you know, raise your standing with that race or whatever. Everything is very simple. It's very straightforward. There's not a whole lot to it. Um, and that's exactly what I want from a game right now. Like the more, the more and more you talk about this, the more and more I feel like it just sounds like Starbound to me, like a 3d version of Starbound. Interesting. Which is itself like a, a, an in space version of Terraria. Ah, funny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But Terraria doesn't have that like moving on to it. It kind of does actually. Terraria does have like a moving on to a new area because it segments its world into, Mm kind of different zones that have different like levels kind mm-hmm. of but it's less formal than like starbound where it's like uh you're stuck in this zone of the universe until you uh develop a new drive core and then you get to go to the next area and then you got to mm. develop a new other part for your spaceship. something else and you, yeah yeah yeah, yeah th- there's a which little... i like i like starbound a lot i think it's been pretty pretty good i know a lot, some people haven't been as happy with it 
Yeah, you know, overall, it sounds a lot like this game, <laughs> like yeah. just in every way that I can think of. And uh, No Man's Sky just looks really pretty. I do kind of want to play it. It is very pretty. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll I'll say this: the the models are not super high res, like not a ton of polygons. Um, yeah, I like that about it. Yeah, that's one of yeah. the reasons it looks good. Yeah, yeah. I it's mean, got it's a just, real it, stylized, like interesting look to it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and w- what's what's interesting to me about this game is um, just how polarizing it is. Like, if you go yeah. and you look at uh, Metacritic, if you look at the game on Metacritic, uh, there's last time I looked, and Jim Sterling talked about this. Jim Sterling hates this game. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. I wouldn't say hate. He gave it a 5 out of 10. He had a lot of problems with it. And the problems that he had with it really are echoed by a lot of people. I mean, there are some, like, some pretty glaring technical issues. Like, for example, like, you can walk right through creatures. Like, just clip right through them. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, it's not a deal breaker, but it's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, what? Um, and then like the, the movement of the sun in the sky, uh, the, the shadows don't move very smoothly. (laughs) Sometimes they do, but most of the times they like, they have this like jerky stair step movement to them. And I'm sure it's just because like the resolution of the floating point value determining, you know, where the light source is, is just too big. You know what I mean? Um, so when it updates, they just move too far. That's one of the things that I'm sure will be fixed as all the technical issues will be. Um, maybe, but yeah, I don't, again, again, I don't this see is those, me assuming that, you know, putting faith in hello games that they'll address yeah, these things, but I don't see those necessarily like that doesn't sound like an actual deal breaker to me. Oh no, it's people not. like it's Skyrim not. and from yes. a technical standpoint from things like that, Skyrim's pretty garbage. Yeah. Skyrim. Listen, I played that game. I hit a guy with a sword and he flew into space like that's kind of <laughs> I had this recurring error that I found I think they patched it at some point where if I was using a two-hander on the back of a horse and I hit people with it occasionally they'd just fly into space like <laughs> all right I mean that's cool I like that it's funny <laughs> yeah it was hilarious when it yeah. happened I'd shoot a bear into space <laughs> just like <laughs> I am that awesome I can shoot bears into space but you know that's a tr- that's an actual like real triple A game that yep and no one cares everybody's just like yeah it's fine that's yeah how and that's the thing I, I think No Man's Sky is getting an unfair amount of criticism for the problems mm-hmm. that it has considering these are not unique to No Man's Sky like too much hype train game, what's that too much hype train see I don't, I don't even I don't I don't mm, I have a hard time with that I think it's I think it's people hyping the game themselves not Hello Games well definitely not Hello Games. And I have a hard time believing Sony hyped it up just because I didn't see any. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I heard I think, about the game every once in a while, but yeah. I didn't. I never saw Sony being like, "This is the end all, be all." Blah 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 blah. Like, it's going to be the greatest game ever. No, they kept <laughs> talking. Whoa! Oh my god! <laughs> Sorry. Um, like they they talked a lot about how big it was. They talked a lot about how you know limitless it is and the number of planets that it had and the variety and the fact that everything was procedurally generated and all this kind of stuff. And that's all true. That's all in there. That was all done. Everything that, that I can remember. I didn't say Hello Games or Sony hyped it up. I'm saying it was hyped. I think it was hyped a lot by just the community internet okay. at large. Okay. And that's uh, that's what I'm in a very long way trying to get around to is that I, like gamers who were pissed, I think, did this to themselves. No, nah, I don't know. There was some hype from, you know, commercials and that kind of thing. And it, it but also it got like big press coverage at press events and things like that because it was oh, really interesting. I see what you mean. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting because all the space and flight games went away. For a while. Yeah. Yep. After 9-11, all of them disappeared for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, yep. 
right after 9-11, they canceled the next Microsoft Flight Sim. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah there was one they had in development that they yep. removed the Twin Towers from, and then they just didn't make any more after that. Yeah, they they canceled them. They were like, all right, yeah. we're, we're done. Yep. <laughs> yeah, awkward. And then they've kind of brought those back. I think they released a new one a couple of years ago. Yeah, I want to say um, it's free to play. Maybe, yeah. And then, again, they've these have started coming back elite dangerous came out star citizens been in development so this this breed of game kind of disappeared for a while and now now it's in resurgence and i think it's going to be a while it's going to be a little bit of time because there's i think similar disappointment over elite dangerous some people are like yes and then some people played it and they're like i just float in space (laughs) what's happening is this it yeah i just float in space and i get killed by assholes on the internet is that (laughs) That's the yeah. only thing that happens. Well, and I think that's, I mean, Star Citizen is having a similar, like, like I don't think the game, like, No Man's Sky has problems. It does. Yeah. But it does so many things well. And realistically, too, it's like, there's, so I never really finished what I was thinking about with this Metacritic thing. But, like, what's interesting about Metacritic is that the reviews are so polarized. Like, there's, I think, like, 150 people out of over 2,000 that are like, yeah, it's okay. You know, like whatever, it's fine. Like everybody else is, this is the greatest thing ever. And I love this game and it's, you know, I'll give it my firstborn child to this is the worst thing that's ever been produced and hello games should burn in hell. Like, and there's roughly a thousand, like over a thousand reviews on either side, like zero out of 10, 10 out of 10. And to me, that's, what's interesting to me. That means the game is on some level successful because the people that are that it's intended for love it. People like me love this game. People that it's not intended for who thought they were the target audience fucking hate this game because it's not built for them. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. And and maybe. also too, I mean, or maybe this it's just something that's something that they don't like. I find it interesting how <clears throat> polarizing you, it seems to be, at least according to what you're saying. It just doesn't seem like that polarizing of a game. Well, again, like the game itself is not, but I think the the hype that you were talking about, like the yeah. build up, all that stuff has has made it polarizing because like that like I was, I was reading some comments by people who were like this is going to be the last game I ever buy. I'll play this game for the rest of my life. Like yeah. And again, they built that off of this idea that the game is so big and I think yeah. that Front, th- Frontier Elite 2, you can play for a real ass long time, but you know why you're going to stop playing it? Because you've played it a shitload. Like, yeah. that's it. It's not because you finished yep. the game. It's like, you're like, I've done a lot of stuff. I think I've seen most of the content. There are more systems, but I mean, there's a limited pool of like how things are generated in yeah. any of these games that are generated. So you're like, yep. I've seen pretty much the variations and I might see like a new combination. Maybe this time the grass will be blue <laughs> and the water will be green. Like, yeah. But, well, but I've seen blue grass in other places and I've seen green water before. Yep. I've just not seen them together, but I, I still know what they look like. I can picture it in my brain. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like, well, and, that, and that's, that's the kind of thing that updates are good for. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's, that's what true. like Terraria has been really good about is it has that kind of thing. But updates have constantly pushed that put out new content. So you can go back and say, oh, I haven't seen this new stuff before. Yep. And it's one of the things that Minecraft sort of is good about but sort of is not good about. Well, and that has mods. Like, I think Minecraft is a little bit unique in that a big portion of Minecraft's replayability, I think, comes from mods. I've never played Minecraft with mods. I've played a lot of Minecraft. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I, I also, you know what? Every time I talk to people about Minecraft, I'm like, yeah, I just only play hardcore, and I that's, that's pretty much it. And they're like, what? So <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just not 
as typical of a person for playing that. But I don't know. There's probably lots of people, though, who are like me and who really just enjoy hardcore, which is you die, you're dead and it deletes your world. And that's it. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. It actually doesn't delete your world anymore. It makes it just like uh, spectator only. So you can go in and spectate and look at what you did, but you can't can't play it anymore. Interesting. Yeah, I so like one. So I have a real problem with the because this is something Jim Sterling and a lot of other reviewers have brought up, too, is that, you know, once you see a handful of planets, you've seen everything the game has to offer because everything Mm -hmm. is procedurally generated. So it's kind of like you said, it's drawing from the same pool of things. The thing is, that's true of every fucking video game ever. That's how video games work. The only um, difference is that in other games, things are placed by hand. That's yeah. what, and, and honestly, like but I'm not saying not, it's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying yeah. people need to be cognizant of the fact that they have an internal bias. They know that these things weren't placed by hand. So like, like for example, in The Last of Us, right? Like yeah. that game uses the same tree models, the same building models, the same car models over and over and over again, because that's just how games work. However, yeah, the way that play- those things are placed is really, really good. And so everything looks really, really great. And so you don't necessarily pay attention to the fact that resources are repeating over and over and over again. Yeah, but if you play something like Super Mario World, you'll find that you don't see all the environments until you finish the game. Like, each world is new and has a new theme kind of thing. That's true. And, and you, know, you can finish Super Mario in a couple hours. <laughs> You know what I mean? I can't. I I mean, somebody can. It's not me, though. Super Mario takes a lot longer if you're not like having. I think it's kind of a thing. That's a game where the length is really determined by your skill level at it. That's fair. That's fair. So So, most people encountering it for the first time and playing it are not going to beat it in a few hours. It's going to take a lot longer than that. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So what I mean to say is like if you take especially the later levels, if you take the difficulty out of those. Yeah, like each I mean, each world or each level is designed to be beaten in about like what, two yeah. hours or two minutes, something like that. Like it, it yeah. has a timer like you only have <laughs> at max 10 minutes to play. So what you're saying is there's not as much content there exactly just because of the way the game is structured. So exactly. they can make more. And that is the case. But I think that just comes down to your preference. Yes. In in these kind of games, whether yes. you want something like that. But I mean, even something like Half-Life 2 has a lot of unique environments and certainly some things like explosive barrels always are explosive barrels. No matter how you go through, they don't change the model for those really. Well, and I mean, that's necessary. Like, like that's, that's part of how you teach gamers how to play the game. You know what I mean? Like, like another complaint, if, if if the explosive barrels looked different in each level, each level, you'd have to reteach players what explosive barrels look like. Yes, exactly. Which would be confusing. Yes. But yeah, that's, uh, uh, those kind of straight through games can more easily have like a wide number of different things and you can be constantly seeing a new environment which is fun but it's just not the same kind of game and it, it means that it's more limited in like how linear it is and how how long the game is and how much you can play it because even something like Skyrim you end up seeing the same stuff over and over and over again as you keep playing it because there's a limited number of things that they could build and yeah. fill that world with. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, I've seen caves with like a big hole and like a little tiny forest in them. There's a bunch of those in here because they have the same tools to make all of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like one of the things, one of the, another frustration that I've had with a lot of the reviews is they like they'll they'll they have complaints that to me anyway seem to contradict each other. Like, for example, they'll say um, that 
you know, so different resource or different things that you have in the game, like your jump drive, for example, or your pulse drive, for example, uses certain types of minerals to power it. Well, your exosuit uses different types of minerals. So there's all these different things you need to keep track of. And they say there's all these different things you need to keep track of. And there's too many, but there's the same like same mineral, same resources on every on every single planet, largely. Like some planets as you get further, well, and again, I'm only on the seventh planet, but I'm already seeing this. Like the further in the game you get, there are different types of resources that come available. But again, kind of like going back to the exploding barrels, you need that. Like your, your exosuit requires isotopes to run. So of course you're going to have carbon on every planet. That's the way the fucking universe works in real life. You know what I mean? Like, like carbon-based life forms. So planets that have carbon-based life forms on them aren't going to have a lot of carbon. Um, you need plutonium to power your, your, uh, ship's drive. So you're going to have, you're going to need to have a lot of plutonium on every planet so that you can repower your, your refuel your ship. So like, it doesn't make any sense to me to say, you know, you see the same thing on every planet. Well, of course you do, because the requirements of yeah. your ship don't change. I mean, those are kind of, they could change, though. There's no reason they couldn't. You build a new drive, it requires something Oh, it requires a different thing, yeah. Well, I mean, and these, that, would, these that, are, would then, that would then wall off different parts of the galaxy. Yeah, or unless it's just an additional thing. Like, uh, your drive can now make these special kind of jumps but these special kind of jumps take this other unit of uh, resource. Where, but well, and that's actually how that's jumps. actually how it works. Oh, right. that's, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, I've just apparently I'm real good because I've just made that up off the top of my head, and that's something that <laughs> some professionals already did. So yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and, but no, I think I think all of these are legitimate complaints, but it's not it's not something that's not been seen before in other games. That like, oh, and I think a lot of it too is how much you notice that kind of thing has to do with like balance gameplay balance because mm. it can be a real issue uh when you're having people collect resources mm -hmm. if those resources that they collected at the beginning they have to keep collecting in really high numbers like switching them to newer resources to collect and kind of downplaying older resources can be helpful in some cases like just number balance and that's just finding a good like uh a good balance point for your game and different games do it differently some say here's a completely new set of minerals and some say like basically you have to to build a high level ingot you it requires ore from all previous ingots kind of thing mm -hmm. you know so yeah i think that's another um i think yes that's a valid point these I are balance this issues and my point is that they can be they can be tweaked pretty easily generally well, and I think the, the the decisions that Hello Games made, like some of them, I'm guessing, and this is just a guess, but I'm guessing that some of these things, like, for example, having a fairly small number of minerals or resources that are required to do things and having them just be everywhere. Mm -hmm. the, I mean, again, it goes back to the number of people that they have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the more things that you put in the game, the more time that's going to take. Yep. Um, and cause there, there's a lot of scripted content in the game. Like there's no spoken dialogue, which again, I think, you know, speaks to indie studio, very small number of people. They don't want to hire voice actors. Uh, I mean, they did in a sense, cause like the aliens talk in their alien language, but all the dialogue that you see or the content that you see is all written. So you read everything. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, you know, given their limitations, that's a very good, compromise to draw because they can put much more text in the game much more uh, cheaply and easily than they could spoken dialogue so that means they can have more content in the game so they make yeah. sacrifices in things like you know uh, variety of minerals 
or a variety of resources, and instead they put it into content, you know, uh, text that you read in the game. Um, it sounds like you like this game a lot, and you are slightly offended. By I, slightly, I, I am. Mean very offended. No, yeah, you're right. People, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. People and, don't like it. But I, uh, hearing what you're saying, I'm like, I can totally see why some people don't like that. Yes, I, I think I can it's see real legitimate, like it. those complaints that people have. But it's like, it feels very, like... Uh, people just don't like this type of game, maybe, who are reviewing it. Yes. And I think that has to do with going back to what I was saying about there haven't been a lot of these for a while. Yeah. So one of the things that happened a lot, I remember in the 90s with all the game reviewing sites mm-hmm. is and not sites like magazines, like back in the day when there were <laughs> yeah. magazines. Um, and I feel like this kind of got resolved by the time there were sites, which was that there, there'd be a, a review for the newest Final Fantasy game and it'd be by the guy who doesn't like JRPGs and his yeah. review would be like three out of 10. I don't like JRPGs. Yep. And people be like, why'd you give it to him to review? Yeah. He was going to give it a bad review. He doesn't like those games. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. He doesn't care for that. It's not good from a, like a, like a consumer, whatever consumer. What's the word I'm looking for? Mm, Shit. Anyway, <laughs> this it's, is a podcast it's just, where we just, forget words and try to remember yeah. them. It's just generally not helpful. Consumer advice. It's not good go. consumer advice yep. because you're like, I want to know if this game is good. And I already know it's a JRPG. Like that's that's a basic idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to know whether or not it's good as a JRPG. It would be yeah. like having somebody in an auto section of a newspaper review a car and just be like, you know, what, cars suck. You should ride a bike. Yeah, like, I don't. Yeah. I'm I'm buying a car. I want to know how this compares to other cars. Yeah, not not if it's a as good as a bicycle because I need a car. Like if I wanted a bike, I'd look look at bike reviews and I'd buy a bike. It doesn't. It's not helpful to me. And I think that might be what we're seeing here a lot is that a mm. lot of these reviews are from people who who are not into this yeah. like kind of thing. Yeah, and totally. and some of that might be like I had no conception before this came out that it was going to be like a crafting game mm-hmm. and it might be too that some people who went into this not realizing that it was going to be all crafty yeah that's a big like, part of it oh, crap yeah it's crafting yeah i want to be into this yeah and like full disclosure very late in the episode but full disclosure like you're exactly right like i am i am more offended than i probably should be like i don't like people have a right to their opinion they can think whatever they want i'm just i'm offended Partly because I'm working on something, I'm working on a procedurally generated platformer <laughs> that is in some ways like like No Man's Sky I see as kind of being, well, I very much I see as being like, how is the industry responding to this, right? Because it's, it's trying to do something new and different and be fresh, whatever. Well, that's what my game is trying to do as well. You know what I mean? And specifically, I'm hearing a lot of people uh, say like, talk bad about the procedurally generated nature of the game and mm-hmm. just saying that, you know, like procedural generation just cannot compare to hand built stuff. Yeah. And first of all, I completely disagree with that. I think that's just, that's a very, very short sighted view. I don't, um, ag- I don't, I completely agree with that. It can't compare. They're no. completely different things. The, uh, that's not true. So it's <laughs> so like, I, I don't think you followed what I was saying there. They're very, very difficult things to compare. Is what I I'm saying. I did follow what you were saying there, and I, oh, okay. I yes, and and I completely disagree. I think you it's, don't think so? Yeah. So it's it's not that how to put it. So this is like the like hand created stuff mm-hmm. and procedurally generated stuff. I think is roughly similar to 
uh, when the when uh, Henry Ford automated creating cars, mm-hmm. when he introduced the production line, because people had a lot of the same. They said a lot of the same things that people are saying about procedurally generated stuff now. Like, um, you know, cars built on an assembly line, vehicles built on an assembly line will never be as good or reliable or um, well made as automobiles that are built by hand. There was a lot of that going around when uh, when he created the assembly line. And it took a lot for people to to trust the cars enough to buy them because they thought they were so poorly made just because they were made via an assembly line because it was was a new way to produce content. And I think you have now that's like building cars by hand has not gone away. That's Mm. just like it's it's a niche thing now. You know what I mean? And a lot of that has to do with price cost, right? Like building a car by hand is much more expensive. The results can be far better than any, like far more detailed, far more exotic than anything or, that you could do on a, or on they a can production be line. Real freaking awful. Or like, they can be real freaking awful. Yes. <laughs> like you, you can have the, was the Etzel, right? That was made by hand. And that I was, was going to be say a big deal. The kit car that your dumbass oh, like, yeah. neighbor built and will just falls apart. Like, yeah. Cause you get a fucking Fiero engine and you want to have a car that looks like a Ferrari and it doesn't work for anything. Yeah. So, um, and like that, that's the analogy I, that I would draw for now. So like, I, I don't like hand built worlds are not going away and I don't think they should. Like there's a place for those. Like for, yeah. like for example, you could not build a game as tightly, um, as tightly made and as perfectly balanced as the last of us algorithmically mm-hmm. that just can't happen that's not what procedural generation is for yeah. well but, i think in the future there may be some ways to build stuff like that but it's probably pretty far off well yeah and that actually that actually kind of gets to my far off vision of this stuff is and kind of my foundational thing for why i disagree with your um like uh you know, handmade and procedurally generated stuff are just too different to compare. I don't think they are. Um, I think they're part not of too the, different to compare, but they are. They produce such wildly different like user experiences. Well, and right now, for such wildly different games. Yeah, now. Yeah, I'm not and, saying they will always do that. Okay, okay. Well, and that's kind of what I was getting to is that the the limitation now isn't the nature of generating the content; it's the tool set. Yeah. Right. So like, I mean, think about 20 years ago when people were still building rasterizers by hand and OpenGL didn't exist Mm -hmm. and you didn't have common graphic libraries and you didn't have this baseline. You didn't have tools like Unity. You know what I mean? Well, there's one thing that really excited me for procedural generation, which was Nintendo kept talking about including a uh, like a heart rate and like blood oxygen level, like one of those finger clip things Mm -hmm. to to track your like physiological stats while you're playing a game. Hmm. And I was like, that and would like be modify un- it based on that. And then, yeah, I mean, they didn't say what they were going to do with it. They just kept mm. showing it and people were speculating that that would be good for something like the Wii pad. What is it? The step on do aerobics. Oh, the Wii, Wii, Fit, Wii Fit pad or yeah, yeah. we whatever. And, and I was like, see, that sounds really good to me for procedurally generating like horror environments. Like oh, if you can get yeah. data, on how somebody's responding to your game, yep. you can adjust what's happening based on that data. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that kind of thing would be more like like I think there's a lot of elements missing before you could really make procedural generation work real well in some of those ways. I mean, yeah. at least that would be much more helpful and it would yeah. create more personalized experiences that you couldn't have otherwise. Yeah, but you can still do that kind of thing with procedural generation. You just have to take data from in the game. So, like for instance, the uh, the Left 4 Dead games, 
which procedurally generate like ammo and med kits and stuff like that based on how you've been doing in the level so far. Mm-hmm. And also procedurally generate like how many enemies there are and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the idea being that, you know, you do better, maybe it throws more enemies at you. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, that's actually, that's an excellent point. And I totally agree with that. I mean, procedural stuff is everywhere already. I think that, um, the big thing about no man's sky, and I think part of what makes it just so difficult for people to process is the dude, like, this is just such a bigger game. And I think it's like the point behind it was just so kind of different from what anyone has been experiencing for a long time that, it's so far out of left field for so many people that, um, like you said, I think it's just not what they were expecting and it's not really what they want. You know, like they thought the game was going to be something different than it is. Um, and I think more so than hype, I think that's the cause of the problem. The cause of the problem is that people thought they were getting something else because it wasn't clearly communicated what the game actually was, like what you'd actually do. And that I totally agree with. Like, like neither Hello Games nor Sony told anybody until like six months before the game came out what you'd actually do. Like people kept asking that. Like this game looks great and the numbers sound really impressive, but what do you actually do? Yeah. And nobody said. And then like uh, Sean Murray kind of... That's just, that's a design problem that you have to deal with. It's the kind of thing that happens if you promise somebody pizza and you talk up pizza and they, they're really expecting pizza and then you give them a hamburger. They're like, the fuck? What? What happened? Well, why or, is this a hamburger? Or you say we're going to have pizza, but you don't tell them what the toppings are going to be, and they expect you know pizza with pineapple, and the pizza doesn't have pineapple on it. Well, they're gonna, they're going to get pissed. You yeah. know what I mean? And and I, I think I think you're a little bit too uh, too too offended by this because I'm pretty sure that all the people who don't like this game will stop giving a shit in like two weeks. Yeah, and all, the only voices left will be people who actually care. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, everybody will forget yeah, about. You're those. totally right. That yeah. This happens a lot where something comes out and a lot of people are on board are on the, like, fuck this. And some people are like, yeah, but all the people who like, fuck this, just stop playing and stop talking and stop caring about it and forget it exists. Yeah. And people who still like it still talk about it. And and then it gets remembered as a good game <laughs> like that. Yeah. That happens a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I mean, you're you're entirely right. I am taking this too personal. Um, Like I said, largely because I just see this game ideologically very similar to what I'm working on in some ways. And so it's just like some of the criticism just hits home. And even like the fact that, you know, people are saying that they don't like, they don't like procedurally generated content and they don't think that that should be the future. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I want to do. Like all the games that I want to make, I want to be built around everything being made procedurally. And so that just hits kind of close, kind of close to home. Um, I'm just taking it too, too personally. I like procedurally generated content. I also like non-procedurally generated content. Oh, yeah. There's space for both. And I think there's context for both. You know what I mean? It's like any other tool. It would be weird to read a procedurally generated book. Like That's actually one of the things I want to do. (laughs) I mean, it'd be interesting. I actually made some procedurally generated poetry a couple of years back for a school project. Oh, cool. Um, And I was just like, hey, this is an interesting project. Let me do this. And I thought it was really interesting, but it it's very different from a proceed from like just writing something because Mm. the outcome and the eventual message that you give is, is a little bit different depending on how it like works out. Yeah. Which is, which, which has a different effect than, you know, something that you real tightly like want to control the message that happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, 
What's interesting to me too about procedurally generated content in general is I think like, so just thought experiment really quick. So uh, the tools get to the point where procedurally generated content gets close to the capabilities for like, you know, quality and nuance and fidelity and things of handmade content, kind of mm-hmm. like cars now, you know what I mean? Like um, there are exotic cars that are, you know, manufactured on a, on a production line and all that kind of stuff. So like the automated production of automobiles has gotten to a pretty intensely, like very, very high fidelity point. So let's assume that uh, procedurally generated content in games gets to the same level so that you can have characters be procedurally generated, dialogue, stories, all that kind of stuff. Well, I think what's interesting to me about that is then at what point are computers actually making the games? Like at what point do human beings kind of lose value in that creative process? Um, And I mean, I think that happens already a little bit. I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying about like procedurally generated poetry versus the real thing is that you lose some control over the message that comes out. Like you become less the deliverer and the creator of the message than you would be otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and it depends on what you're procedurally generated. If you don't procedurally generate story elements, then the story will always be there. If it's just mm -hmm. gameplay elements that are procedurally generated, then just the gameplay. But that, that tends not to be where people put their theming not in gameplay in games generally not always it's a generalization so uh don't write me letters (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think like bottom line is i think i mean this game's already a success um and uh, again like as as salty as i get about it i i think it's very i think the response is very interesting um and i think there's i think there's a lot to unpack and i think there's a lot for people like like you and I, like game makers to learn from this. You know what I mean? Like what did Hello Games do well? What did they not do well? Um, one of the things that I think that they did not do well at all was telling people what the game was actually about. I mm-hmm. think that's where a lot of the problems that people have come from. And I think that's valid. You know what I mean? Um, I happen to like what you do in the game, yeah. but I can see how people wouldn't, you know? Um, I can also see why Hello Games would not say that because there isn't really much that you do. You know what I mean? So like, how would they spin that from a marketing perspective? You know, it's uh, it's Minecraft with less to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> like instantly you'd lose a huge percent of the market and Sony putting a bunch of money into this and wanting it and having it a tent pole of their game lineup, they're not going to want to do that. You know what I mean? So like, I don't mean that to justify, you know, keeping consumers in the dark because I think that was actually a big misstep on their part. But like as a developer, as a publisher, what do you do instead? Like, how do you tread that line? You know, um, and I just I think that's really interesting. And I think a lot Move of things on with your life because you already made your money because you kickstarted it and you made a shitload of money to start with. Well, and that's so actually somebody um, I think this might have been on the Jimquisition website. Somebody actually brought up a really good idea um, and they said that th- this game should have been like on Steam Early Access. Like if yeah. the game had been released via Steam Early Access. Yeah. This all would have been very, very different. They seemed like they really, really did not want anyone to see this game before it came out. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. And that, that, that might have been a mistake. Just giving yeah. some people some previews and then people being like, oh, that's what this game is about. Yeah. Well, because uh, like you look at Ark Survival Evolved, right? That, yeah. I think that's a great example of how this could be done well. So like the creators of Ark Survival Evolved 
uh, put it up on Steam Early Access and said what they wanted to do. And everyone was like, there is no fucking way you can do that. <laughs> like For a team that small, what you're trying to do, that is impossible. There's no way it can happen. But they released updates regularly, right? Mm-hmm. Once it came out, they're like, it wasn't everything. But they're like, here's what we have. Here's our plan for the future. And they were very transparent about what they were implementing when. And they quickly built equity in the community. And people were like, okay, this isn't everything, but it's a good start. And you're taking feedback from the people that bought the game and you're integrating things. And now it does more than they originally said it was going to do. And it's like this fucking miracle game and people love it. I mean, they, you know, they change stuff and then people hate it and they get it's all the upset about it. the only game I've ever refunded on Steam. Really? Why? I don't know if I've ever mentioned that before. It just, it ran like such incredible garbage on my computer. Oh. It was, it was like basically impossible to play. And it had a a ridiculous number of different like options in the menu. And I like tried a bunch of different things and I couldn't really get it to work. And I just bought it because we wanted to play it at a LAN party, Mm. but no one could really get it to work. So we all ended up refunding it and playing something else. So, yeah, I might pick it up again later on if it were less garbagey. But I mean, it has a a reputation for like having real trouble running on some people's computers and being Mm -hmm. like real real like memory heavy and stuff like that for like no good reason yeah anyway it doesn't matter it seems like it's a fun game i fuck i bought it like i wanted to play it just (laughs) didn't really work out yeah but i mean i think that's like i said that's a good example of how they could of how this could have been done better um but if they had done that would they have gotten like the 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 um the worldwide attention that they got doing things the way they did it. You know what I mean? Like what, what would the trade-off have been? Um, but yeah, so I I think there's a lot to to parse. I think there's a lot to dig into. I think there's a lot to learn. Um, ultimately I think procedural generation is the future. I think this game is just like Minecraft was before it like Minecraft. I think the reason that like that kind of started like the modern interest in procedural generation, but I think it was a little bit unique in that the game was so abstract that um, it kind of like sat in its own thing. You know what I mean? Like it was, I don't even know that I would say the art style was retro. Like it was just weird, you know, like everything was cubes, right? And so I think people gave it a lot of slack because of that. I think No Man's Sky is in a little bit of a little bit different situation because it's trying to look not realistic, but it's trying to look conventionally beautiful. You know what I mean? And so that has a whole different set of standards that people are applying to it. But whether it like meets those standards or not, you can do procedural generation and have it be beautiful and you can do it on a massive, massive scale. So what also interests me are like games that are that are going to come out. that are going to follow this that are going to try to do this massive universe mm-hmm. and that are going to learn from No Man's Sky. So like three, four five years from now, what are we going to see following this? Yeah. Um, and so, again, and, the tools, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like what I want to see and hell, maybe what I'll work on building, like as part of Jumpy McRunface and the games that I make is a set of tools and best practices that people can use for generating procedural content so that mm-hmm. we can kind of get things like we can get to a point where we have OpenGL for procedurally generated content. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We can have tools that we can build on top of so that instead of having to rebuild everything ourselves, we can start doing higher level stuff. And that's where the fidelity can come from. Yeah. I, yeah, maybe. I think a lot of times procedurally generated content isn't actually super helpful to you as a developer. It just kind of depends on um, on what you're doing. If you're making like a pretty small experience, procedurally generated content is is an investment that may not be time smart. So, oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, so I wouldn't advocate it for everybody. Oh, um, yeah, definitely not. Yeah, I don't know. I 
whatever. Anyway, I think really interestingly, though, because uh, mm-hmm. we're talking about Frontier Elite 2, is mm-hmm. procedurally generated, but it was procedurally generated once by the developers. So everybody's copy of the game is the same. But it was procedurally oh, okay. generated. And that's the exact same way that Daggerfall worked. Like older procedurally generated games, they did that way. So they just ran it, procedurally generated it, and then uh, released it. And maybe I think Daggerfall may have had some tweaks. Like they procedurally generated it, and then there's stuff that is put in there, like mm-hmm. by hand. Mm-hmm. Daggerfall's real big. That's Elder Scrolls 2. Daggerfall? Yeah. 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 But a lot of there's there's nothing in a lot of it, basically just randomly generated stuff. And I think same mm. with some of the stuff in Skyrim, not procedurally generated beforehand, but there's a lot of procedurally generated content in that. And same with Fallout 4. Mm-hmm. All those quests that are like, go kill five bandits. Yeah. And you know what? People hate those. Yeah. <laughs> like, no yep. one likes those quests. Yeah. Um, because that procedurally generated system is not it's not deep at all. It's not interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's really just like it's trying to build something from very, very simple Lego blocks. And I think like I think some of the things that are going to need to change are the approach to procedurally generated content. Like, for example, like instead of trying to do things locally on a on a player's box, Mm -hmm. like do things remotely on a server so that, for example, you know, like a player jumps into, let's say, another game like No Man's Sky, like a player jumps into a, a solar system and the server either started generating those planets beforehand, right? Or generates them at the time, but the server can do a whole lot more than the player's machine. Cause like, you know, the PS4 is not designed to do super intensive business logic type stuff, mm-hmm. right? It has a chip for graphics. It has a chip for physics. Like it's central processing unit is, is just not that powerful because that's, yeah. it's not the core thing of the machine. Whereas you have like a Linux machine running in Google compute engine that's a pretty, that's a, you can get beefy machines, you know what I mean? And so you yeah. can have those things crunch away so you can generate super detailed planets, right? With lots of unique things on them using rules-based engines and then pump that down to the uh, the player's console as they need it. Um, I think it's going to be really important to like be able to procedurally generate. Like this is the thing that's going to make real good procedural generation for for this kind of game for more like traditional kind of games is stuff mm-hmm. that can procedurally generate things that have like an arc in them. Yeah. Like, you like, mean like, some, like stories and stuff, not necessarily stories, but like a gameplay arc where there's some build up and then there's some payoff to mm-hmm. the build up kind of yeah. like at the most basic level. And then yeah. also I, additional to that, that would be helpful would be to procedurally generate story elements to go along mm-hmm. with those things. So that way people get more invested in those and they don't feel real boring and annoying like yeah. saving settlements yeah well and so something just really quick talking about jumping mcrunface that's something that i'm actually like working on with with that game is you know having different obstacle types and you know uh pseudo randomly switching those up and changing difficulty and stuff like that that's all good and interesting but you can't have a continuous difficulty curve because that gets yeah. boring no matter what the curve is so, like, my thought now is I actually want to follow the the movie plot curve, you know? Um, I think Star Wars was the one that kind of popularized this. But um, there's, like, you've got the, you know, the the different conflicts and the rising and falling action and all that kind of crap. Like, I mean, roughly, those, those are standard. Monomyth is the thing that I think Star Wars popularized. Popularized. Oh, okay. It's not by... Monomyth was, has existed before Star Wars, but oh, I George Lucas yeah. kind of... Uh, 
made it into a thing. So, yeah, like a thing in wider consciousness, the idea of monomyth, which is, well, you yeah, know, because Star Wars is so big. Yeah. The call to adventure, the refusal of the call, acceptance yeah. of the call. Yeah. The mentor character, the that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. 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 So like following, like ha- applying that graph to a difficulty curve. You know, yeah. so you have things get they get much more difficult and then a little bit less difficult and then much more difficult and then a little bit less. And then, you know what I mean? And then yeah. you reach a certain Video point. Games actually have issues with monomyth. And I, you know, this is a little bit side but refusal of the call is really really hard to do in a video game oh yeah and it's real annoying when video games try and do it it's one of the things that pissed me off when i was playing fallout 4 because your character's like i don't know if i'm into this whole wasteland thing and i was like fuck you that's what i'm here for exactly i I bought this game because i wanted this why is the (laughs) character that i'm playing as not into it like why does it start out that way yeah that's i'm sure somebody read about monomyth and was like oh yeah we'll do that but it doesn't make sense when you have a player who is trying to align, like get into the game and their character in the game, their avatar doesn't feel the same as them. Like yeah, I said, you don't want to have your later character on from your player. Yeah. Later on in fallout four, you have more like more dialogue options that are like, Oh no, I love shooting people in the face. Raiders <laughs> shooting them in the face. Awesome. Down with it. <laughs> but I mean, and then even sometimes like characters will get judgy about that. And I'm like, fuck you. This, Oh, fuck that! I buy this game if that's not what I'm here for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I, I think, I, I, and then maybe this is my naivete showing up, but I think that, um, I think that procedural generation is applicable to pretty much every aspect of games. I think it's just tooling that's holding it back right now. Um, and so I want to see that develop. And games like No Man's Sky and like Minecraft and like Terraria and like all these other games. Um, help push that stuff forward you know i think it's it's kind of an ai problem like to get real good procedurally generation you have to create like a real essentially a real real detailed ai yes yeah but, yeah no but exactly just that controls yeah. that and it's the kind of thing where you can create like i think people will be continually creating more and more detailed um single systems for procedural generation yes but they'll be real isolated systems yes. and and it'll just be like this is one that really builds jump scares really well yes procedurally generates jump scares yep. based on like how the player's acting in the game how long it's been since the last one how long this play session's been going on like yep. other things like that and it can set up and build tension mm-hmm. based on what's happening mm-hmm. and then and then wait for the perfect moment so it won't just be a scripted jump scare where you see mm-hmm. a dead body on the ground and then you're like, oh, it's going to jump up and scare me, isn't it? Um, like Dead Space, which is awful for that. Uh, but it'll be like, it'll wait till you do something and then spring it on you. So it'll wait till you get distracted and then be like, ha ha! you're like, ah! Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's exactly right. Like, you know, um, for a procedurally generated story, the system doing the generation needs to understand what makes a good story. And Mm -hmm. we just don't have systems that are even close to that level of fidelity or complexity yet. I mean, that's the other thing too. Like some of this stuff has to procedurally generate something that people don't agree on the best way to do it anyway. So yeah, yeah, exactly. What's your, what's just even deciding what your goal is to then try and program towards is a real difficult question. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Again, I'm like, I'm dealing with that in my game right now, you know, yeah. like, um, what's a, what's, what difficulty curve is too fast. What's the difference between fun and too hard where what's boring. You know what I mean? Like, like what's a good challenge rest ratio. Um, how do you balance challenge with the way that things look? You know what I mean? Like, um, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, and I think, yeah, yeah. You know, I think, um, again, I think in probably 10 years, cause things are moving so much faster now, like in five, 10 years, I think we will be with procedural generation where we were five years ago, 10 years ago with 3d libraries, you know, and physics libraries. Um, and I think that it'll just continue to get better and systems will continue to get more, uh, more granular and, you know, again, like, like dialogue, you know what I mean? Like, I think there will be a point where we will have procedurally generated dialogue because characters will actually have emotions and histories and stories and lives. And so instead of, you know, scripting, Hey there, how's it going? You know, Mm. you'll walk up to a character and they'll say that because they want to say that because they actually have an engine of emotions and logic and all that kind of stuff. We, the hardware that we have now just can't do that. You know, I think, I think it'll be a while. I think I would expand that timeline longer than you are putting it at, but okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying five to 10 years just because of, you know, we're, technology is increasing at a roughly exponential rate. Uh, And so we're, I mean, shit is just happening faster than I could ever think possible. So realistically, I I would think it'd be 20 years. So I'm thinking it's probably going to be 10. Maybe, except that people have been, I don't know. I tend to assume that if I think it's going to be 10, then it's going to be 20. Yeah, that's, that's probably it safer. That's much safer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think we're probably, I think we're, to, I mean, we've discussed a lot. Like we started out with No Man's Sky and kind of got into a procedural, more generalized procedural generation discussion, yeah, which I think, I think is cool. That's, that's where we hit on was that procedural generation seems to be a lot of the people's issue with this game. Yep. Yep. Or, you know, they just don't like outer space, maybe. Well, they're and, against outer space yeah. on like a, a philosophical basis. They don't believe that outer space really exists. That's right. Well, I mean, and it doesn't clearly defends them. Yeah. The earth is flat and outer space doesn't exist. The earth is the center of the universe. I actually so, real fast. Speaking of outer space, I've been mm-hmm. uh, I've been reading um, failure is not an option. Mission control from Mercury to Apollo 13 by Gene Kranz. Ooh, that sounds really good. And it's real good. This nice. is just a recommendation. So he was like flight director, uh, uh, mission control leader on on a lot of these missions. And he's talking about the early history of NASA and the space flight missions and what it was like in the mission control. Nice. That's real interesting. That's awesome. That's real awesome. So I, I, I do want to say, like, I don't want to. Well, I realize I've done this already, but I want to kind of. Um, try to give a little bit more balanced pers- view on my perspective on No Man's Sky because I definitely don't think it's perfect. <laughs> um, like I've mentioned a couple technical problems that it has. I will say this. The the combat, like I haven't had any, I haven't done any space combat yet because combat doesn't interest me terribly much in the game. But the, the ground-based combat, like where you shoot the sentinels, is really not very good. <laughs> like it's really pretty bad. Um, one, they never miss. Like once they actually start attacking you, the, the sentinels that are firing at you, there's no way to avoid them shooting at you. So it's basically just you standing there trying to aim and hit them and hoping that they die before you do, which they always do because you have a lot more health than they do. Um, so that's, I mean, that's pretty bad. Um, and people have mentioned that like the soundtrack was really hyped up because the soundtrack is procedurally generated too. Um, and while I like the soundtrack, it's, I mean, it repeats a lot. You know what I mean? Like it's like any other procedural soundtrack that I've heard in any game recently. 
Um, you know, it's got a few samples that repeat based on what you're doing and that's about it. So, um, while I love the game a lot, cause I've been playing it a lot. Like I have no illusions about the fact that it's not perfect and it definitely has some issues. Like I really hope that they fix yep. the FPS combat. Cause this it's is one of those things good. like you all fucking love Skyrim so much. Why do you hate this? Yeah, that's yeah. That, yeah. You know, or like anything by Ubisoft. I mean, yeah. and to be fair, like people give Ubisoft crap when their games come out and have ridiculous bugs in them. You know what I mean? It's just I, I yeah, I've already said what I think about that. But yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that, that happens a lot. That happened to us when we watched uh, Superman versus Batman. <laughs> where we were like, oh, yeah, y'all love this other stuff that does shit, too. But why do you hate this movie? Mm-hmm. I don't understand mm-hmm. it. Anyway, it's fine. There's no accounting just, for taste. Some things just hit you wrong. Yep. Like it has real similar aspects to something else. But you just you're just like, eh, I just don't know. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like like Jim Sterling said himself about this game, you know, like, like he doesn't like it, but that doesn't mean nobody else has to, you know. Yeah. So, like, I love this game. But that doesn't mean anybody else has to. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think in a lot of ways it's very interesting. I think it's um, a harbinger of the future in a good way. And I'm very excited to see what happens with the game over the next year or two. And I'm also very excited to see um, where like this takes the industry. You know what I mean? Um, Because we definitely could use more space combat games, like more space games, period. Um, I think that'd be a good thing. So with that, I think we will close out this discussion. And um, move on to the closing segment. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. I mean, we'll see you in a second, though. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I'm saying bye now. We'll say bye in a minute. Just wait. We'll yes. Be there. We'll say bye a second time. You get two buys this episode. Buy one, get one free. What? That was a pun. Did you see what I did there? I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so that's the end of this episode. Um, I thought that was a pretty good discussion. Um, I am definitely very salty about people saying bad things about this No Man's Sky game. I take it very personally. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be be real rich next week. I'm going to mine this podcast for salt. (laughs) Start a company. uh, And be a salt, uh, whatchamacallit, salt baron. Magnate. Mm -hmm. I almost said magnate, but I was like, I don't feel like that's the right word. And then you said it, so... I mean, it's a fun word, and I feel yeah. like it's the right word. It's an achievement Mobile. you can get in my in uh, uh, No Man's Sky for selling a lot of shit, making a lot of money. So I feel like it's probably appropriate. Do you know the word mogul comes from Mongol? Because I did not. The, the Mogul Dynasty of India. Uh, the, the Mogul Dynasty of India uh, traces its roots back to Mongols. Really? This is a real good book. I'm, I'm going to recommend another book that I just read for the second time. Do it which is, um, if I can remember the title of it, and if not, I'm this just going to... This is the episode of Forgetting. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, stall while I'm talking, while I open up my <laughs> Audible app and um, find the title of this book. This is Oh, shit, I started playing it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Genghis Khan and the Making of the Modern World by Jack Weatherford. It's really, really interesting. Goes into a lot of detail about how probably a lot of the things that you think you know about Mongols uh, is not true. And 
um, is just misconceptions and historical provisionism. So the real question, Alex, is that book procedurally generated? No. I mean, does history count as procedurally generated? Ooh, ooh, that's a whole different discussion. (laughs) But yeah, so that's a very good book. I highly recommend it. I've just picked up kind of the sequel, which is like Mongol Queens. It's all about a history, a period of Mongol history where it was all ruled by women. Um, So yeah, we'll be reading that next. But yeah, that's very good. I don't remember why I brought it up at this point, but I Uh, did. So there we go. Mogul. 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 Yeah, there we go. Magnate, whatever. Yes. Words for really rich people. That was a tangent. Book's excellent, though, so so pick it up. And also, I'm not being sponsored by Audible, but we could be. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) Wink, Audible. Wink. (laughs) Side eye. Anyway. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will let you go now. Get back to your week. Um, We hope you have an awesome Monday. We hope you have an awesome week, and we will see you soon. Oh, before we go, a couple things. One, if you want to get a hold of me, you can do that. Uh, If you want to yell at me for liking No Man's Sky, it's perfectly fine. (laughs) Um, You can reach me at BSGBrian on Twitter. And I am Senior Dongato on Twitter. And we also have an Egghead Anarchy account on Twitter as well as Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel. We are also on Spotify and on Stitcher. Um, We also have eggheadanarchy.com, which actually I just remembered I haven't updated in a while. I should do that today. (laughs) You've Uh, said that at the end of the last like three episodes. I know. I know. It's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Also, thank you. Thank you to OC Remix. Yes. Thank you to OC Remix for continuing to provide awesome music that gets put in these episodes. So with that, everyone have a wonderful week and we will see you in seven days. Bye. Bye.